0: Alright, welcome Strange Seeds to this week's episode of the Primordia Podcast, your source for strange. You might have noticed you didn't have to skip the intro this time. Well, Primordia is getting its own mixed intro, and it's being made right meow. Anyways, this will be the first of another installment series that we're going to call The Cabinet of Curiosities. I'm excited about what we're going to dive into this week because I just absolutely love the guy and the genre in general. Who and what the fuck am I talking about? Junji Ito and the world of horror anime. Ooh, yay. Before we dive in, just some quick stuff to note. The Etsy sale will be running through Samhain or Halloween or whatever you call it, uh, or the beginning of November. Uh, There is currently also a sale on just about everything in our Threadless shop as well, so go check it out. As always, please give a listen to my favorite podcasters over at Unearthing Paranormalcy and show them some love. If you guys are listening, hi guys! Okay. So that's going to be a wrap on the housekeeping, so now we can get down and dirty into the world of Junji Ito and horror anime, which will also include some manga since that's usually an anime's predecessor. Now, spoiler alert in advance is being given here because I'm sure I'm going to fuck up and forget not to give important things away when discussing these manga and anime with you all. So please just keep that in mind if you haven't seen or read the ones we talk about. I will try very hard to warn you beforehand. (laughs) But you're being warned now. (laughs) First on our list is my favorite Junji Ito story, Uzumaki. Now, as I'm saying this, my mind is going, but your other favorite is the enigma of Amigara Fault, which we will also dive into. Uzumaki is no is longer than Junji Ito's other short story manga, however, and deserves the number one spot in my opinion. If you disagree, let's Agni Kai about it. And if you got that reference, you're awesome. Uzumaki was released by Junji Ito in 2001 and had its first English printing in 2002, according to Fiz Media. At least that's what it says in the book's front cover because that's my source. <laughs> I was first introduced to Uzumaki through a close friend in, I think, the 8th or 9th grade, which was a fucking while ago. Well, I guess we should actually touch on Junji Ito before we jump into his work. Jumping the gun here, whoops. (laughs) Junji Ito is a well-known Japanese horror mangaka, or manga artist, and writer. He has written and illustrated numerous short stories, collections, and novels, many of which fall under the horror genre. Lucky for me... I love this shit and I love him, he's just adorable. As described in the About the Author section of my Uzumaki copy, Junji Ito debuted as a horror-manga artist in 1987 with the first story in his successful Tomie series. Uzumaki, drawn from 1998 to 1999, was adapted into a live-action movie which was released in America by Viz Films and Tidepoint Pictures. Ito's influences include the classic manga artists Kazuo Umezu and Hidashi Hino, as well as authors Yasutaka Tsutsui and H.P. Lovecraft. Other works include Gyo and the Museum of Terror series. If you've been online lately and you like Miyazaki movies or Jinji Ito stuff, maybe you've seen the memes comparing the two to each other and their work. (laughs) If not, I'll just fill you in. So Miyazaki, I guess, has made several like almost nihilist comments on camera before while his work, though sometimes dark and challenging, breathes of beauty and blue skies and love. Junji Ito, on the other hand, loves cats and it's just not what you would expect when you read and look at his work, which is incredibly dark and grotesque. He actually, speaking of his love for cats, wrote Junji Ito's cat diary, Yawn and Moo, which showcases Junji Ito's experiences living with two cats that his fiancé brings into their new home. It's absurdly hilarious. Okay, back to Uzumaki. I am going to go through a lot of the story here, including the ending, so... Spoiler alert! Listen at your discretion. The story follows Kirie Goshima, a girl living in the fictional town of Kurozucho. She is the main narrator for the story and tells of the strange things that occur in the town during its obsession with spirals, the spiral curse that befell the entire town and its people. She meets up with former classmate Shuichi Saito and together they tackle the town's strange occurrences, hell, even within their own families. Kirie's Father is a potter who becomes cursed, along with most of the rest of the town, becoming so obsessed that all of his pottery work contains spirals, and his workshop area and kiln room actually become... Well, we'll, we'll get into that. Shuichi's father, on the other hand, ends up stuffing himself in a round box in the shape of a spiral, essentially killing himself in the process. It's crazy. Shuichi's mom is also affected and hospitalized, becoming afraid of the spirals. When somebody mentioned aloud around her that our ears contain natural spirals, she attempted to gouge her ears out. There's a couple who were so enamored with one another that they literally became entwined, their bodies spiraling around each other. The entire town starts spiraling around the lake in the center as if draining. People start turning into snails after it rains, a dead body is reanimated and bounces around like a spring, a pregnant woman in the hospital start drilling holes in each other to suck blood, (laughs) and the snail people from before? Yeah, townsfolk began hunting them down to eat them. Eventually Dragonfly Pond, which is the body of water in the center of the town that I mentioned before and I think I called it a lake, and Kirie and Suichi find a deep spiral staircase leading down the drain where Dragonfly Pond was, so to speak. Upon their descent, they find a spirally person lying on the staircase who pleads for the pair to take them along and ends up biting and curling around Suichi who throws the two of them over the staircase and down into the abyss below. QDA, now distraught of course, continues to descend and reaches the bottom, which looks like a snail's shell. She climbs down and realizes it's an entire fucking spiral world down there, and attempts to jump onto a spirally surface. She misses, falling and hitting the bottom, where she finds Shuichi still alive amongst all the other spirals and townspeople who fell victim to the curse. It looks like a giant, tangled, noodley mess. (laughs) The two realize they're at their ends, and so they decide to hold each other's hands as they spiral around one another, completing the curse on Kurozu Cho until it begins again, whenever. The story is preceded by a foreword by Jinji Ito in which he tries to analyze the mystery of the spiral curse, and it's a funny way to wrap up the horrifying story that is Uzumaki. Now I have seen the live-action adaptation that was previously mentioned. I actually don't know if I mentioned that it was made into a live-action film, but it was. And, um, anyways, it's pretty good, though it does feel rushed and incomplete at the end, which is pretty fucking frustrating. Still way better than the live-action Death Note, though, yeah, for sure. Another one of Junji Ito's greats is Tomie, which is next on our list. Tomie follows the story of a girl named Tomie, (laughs) who comes back to life every time she is killed. She lusts after men and drives them crazy, almost like a succubus, which usually results in her death. (laughs) What drives them mad is her resurfacing soon after, alive and breathing as if nothing ever happened. Think Jennifer's body, but more horrifying and psychological. Initially, Tomie lusts after her teacher, Mr. Takagi, and drives him mad. Another figure named Yamamoto, which I guess was her boyfriend, ends up pushing Tomie off of a cliff. People think she's dead and start making sure everyone there is hush-hush about Yamamoto's doing, and they quickly work to dispose of Tomie's body by cutting it up into 42 pieces, one for each person there to witness her death. They scatter the pieces where no one could find them. Well, one person, I guess her best friend, dumped her heart over the bridge and into the river, where it later grew into another Tomie. In the second chapter, a girl named Yuki is in Morita Hospital where she is waiting on a kidney transplant. She begins to notice that her boyfriend, Tadashi, is enamored with a girl that introduces herself as Riko, which happens to be the name of Tomiya's best friend from the first chapter that threw her heart over the bridge. Tomiya goes to the hospital and tells Yuki to stop seeing Tadashi and talks shit naturally and raising Yuki. Tadashi ends up getting sick of Tomie's demanding selfish behavior and calls her out on her false identity before he stabs her in an alley. She is rushed to Mori the hospital and is deemed a match for Yuki's needed kidney, so the transplantation procedure begins. Once complete, Yuki recovers and Tadashi is imprisoned. Yuki starts having pains and upon inspection the doctors can see that the kidney they've transplanted from Tomie has grown arms and legs and there's also now a skull fused around Yuki's spine. The doctors can't believe their eyes so they operate on Yuki to find out. Once they cut her open out pops a head that says my name is Tomie and that's the end of chapter two. There are several Tomie story arcs, each featuring its own set of gross transformations by Tomie. Apparently, everything about her can regenerate into new Tomies, and a baby girl can even be turned into a Tomie with a blood transfusion. No matter how many times people affected by her try to kill her, she keeps returning to further torture them, sometimes multiplying in the process. Tomie was turned into a three-part film series in 1999 called Tomie Another Face and has since branched out into, Tomie pun only slightly intended here, several other film adaptations. There's a 2011 adaptation titled Tomie Unlimited, which I have seen, so let's review it. I actually literally just watched it last night for this episode. (laughs) You can also watch this for free on Tubi. Again, I'm going to do a run through of this movie, so if you haven't seen it and you hate spoilers, listen or don't listen, up to you. The movie starts out at a school where a young photographer Tsukiko is taking pictures of her vain sister Tomie when Tomie suddenly gets impaled by a falling steel beam thing that looks like a cross. She dies, but returns to her house a year later on her 18th birthday, appearing totally fine. Her sister flips shit, though her parents just become obsessed with her to the point of whipping Tsukiko with a telephone wire that Tomie cut. When Tsukiko is in the bath recovering, Tomie joins her and shows her the scars that were once not visible from her death a year before. There's a body horror scene here, which I I found out after I watched it that it's a body horror film, so I wish I knew that before. <laughs> but there's a scene where... Out of her scar comes poking out a tongue, which is just fucking weird, and then the scar grows into a gross-looking face tumor thing, which Tsukiko pokes in the eyes before she runs out of the bath. And once the parents ask her why she's running, Tomie appears from the bathroom as well. Their dad ends up stabbing Tomie in the back with a knife repeatedly until she is dead once again. He then dismembers her body in their bathtub. A piece of her flesh ends up on the mom's shirt and later makes its way into Tsukiko's school lunch rice, which grows into a bunch of Tomie faces. The lunchbox? Tomie's tongue a girl to death, no not that kind, on a pile of garbage at the school. So there's also a new girl in class, and you guessed it, it's Tomie. Tsukiko tries confronting her, but Tomie denies being her sister. Back at home, the father has killed the mom and is feeding caviar to a Tomie head that's now growing out of a jar. <laughs> Tomie gets him to cut up the mom so she can have the body. The girl that got tongued to death by the lunchbox Tomies? Yeah, she returns as well, her shoulder now growing a Tomie head, complete with dangling tongue just to torture its who with. <laughs> this film honestly felt sexual at times, and it got pretty weird. The girl then catches up with the judo team at school when trying to find Tsukiko and the shoulder Tomie tells the judo team to cut off the tumor, the tumor being the girl's actual head, not tumor shoulder Tomie. (laughs) I know all of these Tomies are getting confusing. So the judo team cut the girl's head off, leaving the shoulder tumor Tomie to take over as the head. Fucking crazy. So Toshio, a boy that both Tomie and Tsukiko like, ends up stabbing Tomie out of love lust, as do all of the other people that stab Tomie. Tsukiko finds him and the two witness a Tomie blood ghoul that forms on the pool of blood that was on Tomie's stomach. It does a species morph into a full Tomie upper body and then again seduces Toshio and like makes out with him. Tsukiko stabs Toshio and then stabs the blood ghoul Tomie, causing it to explode back into just a regular old pool of blood. Okay, so eventually Tsukiko gets cornered by all of the Tomies, including the one growing out of the jar at their house, which now has, like, Tomie head ornaments growing from its weird, hairy, gross plant limbs. (laughs) She then wakes up, thinking it's all a dream. It's not, though, or I guess it was a fever dream that Tomie put her in, and her father and Tomie-headed mother try to hold her while a caterpillar Tomie scuttles around the corner. (laughs) The parents throw Tsukiko to the thing, but it ends up chomping the dad instead, and then the mom, and then Toshio, and then the girl from school who got tongued and then decapitated in her fever dream. Now, all the while Tsukiko manages to get away every time and avoid being the meal. A giant Tomie head confronts her in the house and tells her to basically just fucking give it up and that she wants to become one with her. Tsukiko finally gives in, allowing the caterpillar Tomies to devour her gently while the giant Tomie head laughs. The movie ends with a Tsukiko-Tomie hybrid exiting the home and walking along streets, seeing all of the other thriving Tomies out in the world. She then gets stabbed by a guy and dies. What the fuck? Let's move on to a short story titled Fashion Model. This one features a character named Fuchi, and I fucking love her. She's creepy and fantastic. Now, Fuchi is also featured briefly in another Junji Ito short titled Rumors, which is set in the Suichu world, but let's focus on Fashion Model. So a filmmaker named Iwasaki is super sure something bad is gonna happen and apparently he's like known to have premonitions that actually come true. And he is flipping through a magazine when he sees a picture of a strange looking fashion model and it freaks him out. He has nightmares about the model for a while and is just like haunted by her image. So his fellow filmmakers and writers are working on a new indie piece and considering actresses for the role. Well, they've received a few submissions, and they're going through them. So one of them happens to be the model from the magazine whose picture has been haunting Iwasaki's thoughts, and he gets incredibly nervous when he sees the picture, but the guys convince him to accept her as a part of the cast because she's a professional model. After meeting with Fuchi, they all set off—the other girl who submitted her headshot is with them as well— to a forest to shoot scenes for the film. In the car ride, someone says something about how they're going deep into the woods far away from civilization, and this makes Fuchi laugh, revealing her razor-sharp, inhuman teeth and monstrous mouth. Once in the woods and setting up, Iwasaki wanders off and is followed by Fuchi, who chases him through the woods back to the set. Iwasaki then catches Fuchi eating the lead actress, and he tries to tell the others about it. They try to find the lead actress and Fuchi and finally do, only to discover Fuchi devouring the rest of the lead actress's body. They try to run away and Fuchi catches them one by one until only Iwasaki is left alive. Because she likes him. In the Suichi world, Suichi becomes enamored with Fuchi in rumors through also a picture of her in a magazine. And is actually eaten by her at the very end because he took her picture without her permission to take it and distribute it, (laughs) death by copyright infringement. All right, let's dip into the enigma of Amigara Fault, my other favorite Junji Ito work besides Uzumaki. The story begins with Owaki making his way up the Amigara Mountain and meeting Yoshida, a lone woman hiker. According to Owaki, they're both on their way up the mountain to a newly discovered fault it became unearthed after an earthquake shifted things up a bit, where a mystery lies in wait, gathering spectators. When they arrive at the fault, they find thousands of human-shaped holes in the mountain that were revealed by the earthquake. Upon some testing, people determined that the holes begin to curve at some point in the depth, and their 30-meter probes couldn't find the other end of the holes. Yoshida begins looking around and lets Owaki know she's looking for the hole she saw on TV, she said it looked like it was her shape and that it called out to her. Some other guy interrupts and says he felt the same way and took Owaki and Yoshida to his human-shaped hole. To prove it was his, he declothed himself and shoved himself into his hole. <laughs> A rescuer tries entering the hole after him but fails to get very far before re- needing to retreat. The guy never returns and people end up camping at the fault, Yoshida and Owaki included. Yoshida becomes terrified at her hole, saying it's calling her to enter it. So Awaki ends up stuffing it with rocks to ease her mind. He has a nightmare about a guy who entered the hole. The guy who entered the hole, sensing that he was stuck somewhere deep in the hole, and then he had another nightmare about the past, where he was like stuffed into his hole as punishment for a crime. When he proceeded through his hole, his body started being stretched and curved as the hole twisted and morphed. Soon after, Yoshida ends up entering her hole, while Owaki had been sleeping, followed by several other people entering their holes. At the end, Awaki finds his hole and enters it, sealing his fate. The scientists or inspectors of the fault finally discovered the other ends of the holes, which were all twisted and morphed, no longer human-shaped. Suddenly, one of the scientists noticed something in the hole moving slowly towards them. The End Okay, so we're not going to spend too much time on the next few short stories, hopefully. I guess we'll see. Next on the list is My Dear Ancestors. Okay, content alert. Not that I shouldn't have given you a content warning before we jumped into Tomie. Eh? <laughs> oh gods, I'm sorry. My Dear Ancestors takes us along a journey with Suichi and Risa. Risa is suffering from amnesia and is returned home by her boyfriend Suichi. Risa's parents take her to a hospital where they determine there's no brain damage or abnormal brain behavior, and suggest that Risa's memories might return. Shuichi visits her, and then she eventually goes to his house where Shuichi's dad suddenly crawls out, legs first, from a room near them, revealing everything but the top of his head. He greets the two teenagers and retreats back into the room after. When Risa returns home, she grows nervous and ends up hallucinating a caterpillar coming out of her closet. She feels like Suichi's house holds the reason for her amnesia. Later, Suichi tells Risa that his dad is close to dying and calling out for her, so she reluctantly agrees to follow Suichi to his house. When they arrive, Suichi reveals that indeed his house is the reason for her amnesia, because the sight of Suichi's father had thrown her into a state of shock last time. Well, she gets to see him again, this time the top of his head as well, which is topped with, well, other heads. (laughs) Shuichi tells her they're the heads of his ancestors, his grandpa's head being on top of his dad's, his grandma's head being on top of the grandpa's, and so on and so forth, making like a caterpillar head thing attached to the dad. Well, the dad ends up perishing and the top of his head popped off of his body. Shuichi like quickly places his head under the caterpillar head hat, attaching and then chasing Risa down the hall because the heads were telling him he needed to catch her and propagate. Risa screams and becomes frozen in fear, and the story ends there, kind of suggesting that he caught her because the heads are making comments about starting the wedding ceremony. Fucking creepy. Okay, I really liked this next one titled Long Dream. It's a strange one, and it follows a couple of doctors and two patients. It starts off with a girl who is in hospital because she's terrified of death. I mean, she just freaks the fuck out. There's also another patient there who was suffering from long dreams. They originally spanned a few days, but then started spanning years and years, physically aging the man greatly each time he woke up. Some of his dreams were pleasant, while others were nightmares, like spending 10 years in a war torn jungle, hiding and running from an enemy, and searching for a toilet that he never found for 8 years. That sounds terrible. He eventually ages so much that he looks like a bulbous-headed corpse and flings himself from his bed in search of his proclaimed love mommy, who happens to be the girl who is terrified of death. He ends up bursting into her room, scaring the shit out of her, and she is convinced he is death having come for her, further igniting the fuel of her fear of death. The guy eventually waits away while dreaming, his body turning into a husk that pooled like dust in the wind one day. One of the doctors takes some crystalline brain dust and tests it to see if he can uncover the source of the long dreams. Meanwhile, Mommy appears to slowly get better, or rather, she's less afraid of death and appears to be calm, almost like expressionless and monotone. Well, I mean, I don't know how you can read monotone in a manga, but... (laughs) The doctors comment on her improving condition, and then Mommy reveals that she's starting to suffer from long dreams. Dun, dun dun Turns out the doctor who gathered and tested the brain crystal dust injected it into Mommy to ease her fear of death, in turn cursing her to a death of long dreams. Before we jump out of the Junji Ito waters entirely and move on to some of my favorite horror anime and manga, let's briefly discuss the animated collection that gets a lot of heat from Junji Ito fans. Junji Ito Collection. The Junji Ito Collection was released back in January of 2018 by Studio Dean and co-produced by Crunchyroll and has received mixed reviews. I've already told you I thought it was good, um, or maybe I didn't, but I think it's good. But the other Junji Ito fans have gladly expressed their dislike of and disappointment in the animated series, saying it's a cheap knockoff basically considering all of the hard work Junji Ito pours into his art and writing. That's just like any other film adaptation of a story or manga, in my opinion, though. You're always going to have fans that are disappointed in the final product. The animated collection is a Jinji Ito anthology of sorts, containing 12 dual-story episodes and two OVAs. Long Dream is featured in the series, as well as Fashion Model, and several Suichi stories, including Rumors, which also features Fuchi! Window Next Door was probably the one that creeped me out the most just due to the content. Not so much the animation, though it was pretty good. Shiver and Used Record are also part of the anthology. Used Record is pretty good too. Alright, swimming away from Junji Ito waters now. Let's travel on through the wonderful world of horror anime to one of my absolute favorites, Parasite the Maxim. Parasite was originally a science fiction horror manga illustrated and written by Hitoshi Iwaki and was later picked up by Madhouse and adapted into an anime and apparently also a two-part live-action movie that was known as Parasite the Maxim. Well, I don't know about the movies, but the anime is known as Parasite the Maxim. If you have not seen this, please, please, please go give it a watch. It's almost like a staple anime in my opinion. I will try really hard not to give away any spoilers for those who haven't seen it, but I do highly recommend watching it or reading it if you have not. I'm just gonna call it quits now on giving out these spoiler alerts honestly. I'll just put it in the episode description so everyone has an advance warning before jumping in with me. Okay, let's get into it. Yay! The story follows Shinichi Izumi, who is a typical anime high school student in Japan. One night, these seed pod aliens spore things land everywhere on earth where they crawl in through people's face orifices in order to invade and take over their brain. Because they're parasites. Well, one tried entering Sinichi while he was sleeping, but he woke up thinking it was a worm. <laughs> his parents rush in just as Sinichi is putting a tourniquet on his arm to stop it from moving on up because it's like burrowed in. And so it's burrowed into his arm now and it ends up taking over his right hand. He starts calling it Migi, which apparently means right. I think Migi is fucking adorable, okay? Don't judge me. These parasites learn so fucking quickly, of course, otherwise they wouldn't be able to adapt as humans and blend in to find food, which just so happens to be humans. Okay, so Shinichi and Migi end up battling other parasites, and in doing so, Shinichi becomes a bit more powerful, changing throughout the series like many other anime protagonists. There's a bad bitch parasite boss lady, and she is a formidable opponent for Shinichi and Migi, let me tell ya. I won't give away too much. The anime series is pretty graphic, and I love it. I do, again, highly recommend reading the manga or watching the anime if you have not, because it is such a good one. Okay, moving along to another. Originally a novel... Another was adapted into a manga and then into a 12-episode anime series a few years later in 2012. The main character is a young boy named Koichi who transfers to a new middle school. Okay, so if I remember correctly, when he arrives in class, there's supposed to be an empty seat reserved for a dead classmate. If the seat becomes occupied, it places a curse on the entire class, according to the class, I think. So with his arrival of Koichi, the seat becomes filled and thus starts the series of strange and disturbing deaths of the students in his class. So I forgot to mention that he befriends a girl that no one else seems to notice. Her name is May, and she wears an eye patch over one eye. She actually has the same name as, you guessed it, the name of the uh, dead classmate that the seat was reserved for. Dun dun dun. I won't say much more because it's a really good, complete, and short anime to watch if you're interested. I thought it was fantastic and always recommend it to friends who are looking for a creepy anime. What makes this one so great, to me at least, is the fact that it's set around a middle school so the characters are younger than in many other anime and so it's not like so much fucking sex-related (laughs) because sometimes that's annoying. It's eerie and does have some plot twists, though some of it is also foreshadowed a bunch along the way. I have not read the novel, though I do want to. You might be familiar with the next one on our list, Tokyo Ghoul. That's right, baby. One of my favorites. If you haven't guessed it, this podcast episode contains a lot of my favorites. Full disclosure, I have only seen the first two seasons. Every time I try to jump back into the third season, I just honestly lose interest because I feel like everything important was jam-packed into the first two seasons but that's just me. The story follows Kaneki Ken, a super shy high school student who ends up asking out a girl named Rize, who apparently happens to secretly be a ghoul. Super cute. He wants to take her out to a bookshop on their first date, which I think is just great. Anyway, the date ends horribly wrong with Rize, <laughs> Rize starting to eat Kaneki before like a beam falls on both of them. So Kaneki ends up in the hospital, and after he wakes up from surgery, he learns that some of his organs that were transplanted into him during surgery were ghoul organs, and so he becomes half-ghoul. By the way, they were Rize's organs. Dun-dun-dun. Ghouls start catching his scent because it's Rize's scent, and he ha- she caused a lot of fucking trouble, okay? And he has to learn to fight. He doesn't want to kill anyone to satisfy his ghoul urges, and so he ends up cozying up with Antaiku, the coffee shop and ghoul organization that ends up fighting against the CCG, a crazy anti-ghoul government organization. So ghouls have this awesome power in which they can manifest these blood plasma energy-like organs that come from a part of them, usually somewhere on their back or something, and they can take different forms. Now, they are weapons, like uh, one chick and her daughter have a flower-like kagune, which is what these things are called by the way, they're called kagune, and Toka, another main character, has a kagune like a giant lightning flame, it's badass. I compare Kaneki's to like crazy cool spider legs almost, but it's technically Rize's kagune since it's her ghoul essence that lives inside of Kaneki. So Kaneki ends up eventually getting kidnapped by a super sadistic ghoul named Yamori who calls himself Jason. He's a crazy motherfucker and tortures Kaneki endlessly, causing him to eventually snap. He becomes more powerful as a half-ghoul because of it, though, and ends up fighting against the owl. Well, I won't give it away. Just watch it. It's fucking great. At least the first two seasons. Just watch that. Alright, I'll try not to spend too much time on the last few, but let's talk about Blood Plus now. I don't hear many people talking about this one, even though it's honestly a really good one. It's four seasons long and follows a female protagonist named Saya Otonashi, who, after being attacked by one of these things, learns that she is only the only one able to fully defeat these vampiric creatures called Chiropterans. Her blood kills them upon contact, causing them to like almost like freeze dry and then explode or shatter, whatever. She tries recovering her past memories throughout the series and you can tell her past alludes to some crazy Chiropteran related shit. She is armed with a katana and a chevalier companion named Haji who plays the cello. I saw it back in my high school days, so it's been a while since I visited the series, but I do recommend it and it is a good one. Not your normal romanticized vampire bullshit. Okay, so this next one, trigger warning for serial, okay? We're going to talk a bit about Elf and Lead, so please, please just, if you have not seen this anime and you have PTSD or you're an abuse survivor, I don't know that I would recommend this anime. It is extremely hard to watch at times and its content matter is pretty brutal. Alright, the story's main character is Lucy, who happens to be the queen of the Diclonius and the only one of her kind actually able to, like, reproduce. So the Diclonius, they appear human, god if I could just speak English, except for these ear-like horns that stick out from their skulls. They also have these badass energy noodles called vectors that are pretty much invisible to the naked human eye. The vectors are weapons and can slice through solid matter like bodies with no fucking issue whatsoever. So Lucy suffers abuse at the hands of humans for years and years, eventually escaping. And during her escape, she becomes shot in the head while technically the helmet that she's wearing in the process. The anime actually begins with her escape from the facility where she was held captive. There's there's a brutal scene in the first episode actually during Lucy's escape where a clumsy secretary trips in front of her while there's a fucking line of armed guards and Lucy just decapitates her and like moves her head around and then uses her as a shield like of course with her vectors. It's it's great. After her escape, Lucy develops an innocent like persona after the injury and is almost like amnesic and is found by humans Kota and Yuka. The facility that Lucy escaped from sends a woman, woman-beating woman fuckface named Bando to assassinate her, as well as a special assault team. There's a ton of violence, gore, nudity, and the likes in this anime, so it is not for those with weak, weak stomachs. It is really, really good, though. Alright, last but certainly not least, Meroku-chan. Meroku-chan is an anime that was... Or I'm sorry, a manga that was released in 2018 and is written and illustrated by Tomoki Izumi. Okay, so this one is technically a horror comedy manga and it is pretty fucking funny. Apparently you can also watch the first episode of the anime adaptation which is already out on Funimation and that's pretty cool. I didn't know they had already released the start of the anime so I'll have to get a Funimation and check it out. (laughs) The plot is pretty straightforward, and it follows a schoolgirl named Miko Yotsuya who is plagued by the sight of dead people, spirits, whatever you want to call them, all of a sudden. She pretends not to see them, however, which lends a huge hand to the comedic aspect of the manga, and she tries to futilely live a normal life around seeing these things almost fucking constantly. It has really creepy and cool looking spirits in it that might give you the heebie jeebies at points, and I can see why it's so difficult for Miko to pretend she can't see them at times. Okay. Reading recommendations. Uzumaki. Tomie. No longer human. Fashion model. Dissolving classroom. The enigma of Amigara fault. All of those titles are by Junji Ito. Medoku-chan by Tomoki Izumi. Bizengost by M. Alice LeGro, which I did not get into this one, but it's like a horror fantasy, really fucking twisted Alice in Wonderland type uh, short manga to read, and I really liked it. And then, of course, Another by Yukito Ayatsuji. Film Recommendations, Uzumaki, Tomie Unlimited, Tomie Another Face, Parasite the Maxim, and Another. All right, and that does it for this episode of the Primordia podcast, your source for strange. That was Leia, she says hello. We've got some episodes in the works about Editorpa and subterranean ultralife, some cryptid features, as well as other strange stuff, so please stick around. Remember, if you are someone or you know someone who has a strange story to share, whether it's alien-related, a case of deja vu, spooky stuff, or just an off-putting situation or occurrence, we'll feature it on our next episodes. Just send us a message over at primordia.com bwc at gmail.com or shoot us a message or submit a post over on Facebook or Instagram linked in the podcast description. Also remember the Sowin episode is coming up. I have yet to receive any story submissions, so I guess I'll just have to compromise unless you want to send yours in, which I highly suggest. I would love to hear from you. As always, thank you so much for listening. Stay strange.